Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Okay, I, this is a really important issue, folks, because at a time where we're supposed to be pursuing reconciliation, when it comes to energy projects, there's, it seems like, growing tension between Aboriginals and non-Aboriginal Canadians. I think there's a perception from a lot of non-Aboriginals that one of the obstacles to getting projects built and creating jobs are First Nations communities, that they're just adamantly opposed to any and all energy development. They're being unreasonable. We can't get this stuff built, and it's a problem. But I, I think that's wrong, and, and I think we really need to, to take a different look at the question. Because it's not that First Nations communities are just flat-out blanket opposition to all of these projects. I think there were those who were trying to portray it that way, and they have their own agendas. It's a fascinating piece in the Financial Post today about the rift, the growing rift between Indigenous leaders and Green activists. Because, yeah, indigenous leaders want to be treated fairly, want to be treated with respect. Energy companies can't just walk all over them. They need to, to approach these communities and deal with them in a respectful way. And that's not unreasonable. And that doesn't infer opposition to these projects either. That they also want to benefit, in many cases, from this kind of economic development. And so they're increasingly viewing these green activists as a problem, as an obstacle. And so I think that's important for people to hear. I wanted to explore this in more detail. And someone who's kind of at the heart of all of this, uh, very outspoken author, lawyer, businessman, Calvin Helene. Uh, he is chairman of Eagle Spirit Energy and the proposed Eagle Spirit Pipeline, which is conceived by, backed by numerous First Nations leaders and communities. So he's got a real interesting and important perspective uh, on this issue and some of the challenges going forward. Calvin Helene joins us on the line here this afternoon. Calvin, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Happy New Year to you and all your listeners. Well, and to you as well. So, I mean, first of all, where did this idea come from that, you know, First Nations in Canada were, were unanimously and adamantly opposed to resource development and that it, you know, environmental groups were on the side of these communities? Well, I guess um, from a 100,000-foot perspective, there's been a culture war going on uh, in Canada between um, environmental groups and any industry, and they particularly targeted the energy industry. And um, they've done their best to try and um, portray Canadian industry as uh, being a big polluter and deserving of um, of um, ver- various kinds of restrictions and, and fighting all kinds of um, pipeline expansion. And... Um, the result of all of that has is has dawned on a lot of First Nations leaders is that um, a lot of this has been driven by uh, American 
uh, NGOs or American money that is being poured into Canadian environmental NGOs basically to try and uh, shut down and as much as possible eliminate the energy industry, which is absolutely ridiculous if you look at how important the energy industry is to um, the economy and um, and the fact that uh, as a result of these efforts, uh, the producers on the oil sands are looking at um, losing $50 million a day yeah. and having to do, uh, unfortunately, ridiculous things like ship their, um, their oil by rail down to American ports along the uh, West Coast and, and Texas at huge losses to them. Right. So the, a lot of these groups, they, they have their own agenda, and maybe they've kind of co-opted the, the interest uh, or tried to co-opt the interest of, of First Nations uh, for, for their own selfish reasons. They, they, um, they've done that for the simple reason that um, their business model is uh, that they raise money from stopping things, yeah. and the more uh, they stop things, the more money they raise. And... Um, this does not help First Nations um, at all in the long term because First Nations leaders have to consider a more holistic um, approach to, to um, natural resource development. There's no question that in all Aboriginal communities across um, Canada, the environment is number one, <clears throat> but the environment must be balanced with um, other uh, important considerations that they have uh, in the development of their community and their people, and, and that includes economic development, employment. In most First Nations communities, they typically suffer 90% unemployment, yeah. and the last thing they want to see are celebrity um, uh, environmentalists flying into their territory for a weekend um, and telling them, how they've got to um, deal with their environment in areas where they've uh, been the stewards of the environment for over 10,000 years. That is really not in the cards, and it's starting to come out from the chiefs now that uh, it'll it'll come out in the form of um, lawsuits and uh, and um, other uh, forms of uh, disagreement from, from the communities. Right. So when, when First Nations communities, uh, when, when, you know, when they when they want energy companies to deal with them fairly, to take their concerns seriously, that that doesn't equate to opposition to projects. Right. It's, it's wanting to be treated with respect, wanting to be treated fairly, but also wanting to, to benefit from from the development of this resource. Absolutely. The um, part of the unfinished uh, unfinished business of uh, Canada as a country is um, integrating indigenous people into the economy of the country. Um, and the reason why um, these in environmental NGOs uh, pretend that they have all of the First Nations on their side in, through various, in a lot of cases, devious means is because First Nations people are, are the only people with the legal leverage through the, uh, their constitutionally protected rights to stop projects or make them go and in our case uh, through Eagle Spirit Energy we're dealing with um, a situation where 
the Liberal government has promised there's going to be a moratorium on shipping crude oil out of um, northwestern BC, where we've been working for five years with First Nations, who've not not a, only approved a a uh, a pipeline, an, an oil pipeline, but they've approved an energy corridor as the most environmentally sensitive way to get uh, Canadian energy ex- exports out uh, of the country to the Asian markets in the most efficient manner. And um, it's it's really um, critical, I think, um, to take a look at what's happening with these environmental groups. Uh, the, the chiefs are, are saying that when they voted for, uh, for Trudeau to be prime minister, they didn't expect... Um, uh, environmentalists to be running the country. They expected to have a government that uh, balanced other priorities, uh, particularly when this government is talking about reconciliation with First Nations people. How is reconciliation going to work when um, bowing to what First Nations leaders see as American environmental NGO uh, interests in shutting down the energy industry is going to shut First Nations out of um, projects where they feel they they can balance all environmental concerns with uh, concerns of of um, getting uh, our commodities out to market. It it doesn't make any sense. And in in our case, um, we could easily run um, our um, our energy corridor into uh, Alaska, just north of um, just north of Prince Rupert, and um, and under the American flag, uh, have the right to ship oil or whatever we want out of that area. But what sense would that make? There's it would exclude Canadians from revenue employment. And it makes absolutely no sense at all. But it does make good sense to environmental groups whose uh, purpose is to um, essentially stop any kind of development uh, of uh, in the energy coming out to the West Coast. And it doesn't make from a, um, uh, a economic, environmental, scientific or any other um, uh, objective perspective, it does not make any sense whatsoever. And the fact of the matter is, is the uh, Indigenous leaders are pretty ticked off, and they're going to fight. Well, it, it's strangely ironic because the, the Trudeau government killed Northern Gateway in, in large part because it was seen to not have sufficiently consulted with First Nations communities. So the same government has brought in this this tanker ban, uh, which could kill this, this First Nations-led project. Uh, and the government itself, I think, could be, uh, could be said that they are guilty of insufficient consultation with First Nations communities. That's absolutely true. Um, they have done no consultation at all. This all began with the environmental groups um, creating uh, the, what's, what's been called the Great Bear Rainforest. It's an area of protected land from the north end of Vancouver Island to the Alaskan border. And um, this was created by a, a bunch of environmental people 
um, in the big cities in the U.S. and various places. And uh, Zipporah Berman, who I understand is uh, active in the Alberta government or was active in the Alberta government, right. uh, claims in, in her autobiography that she dreamed up the name The Great Bear Rainforests while sitting in a cheap Italian restaurant in, in San Francisco. Well, in uh, the community I'm from, Lakulams, which whose traditional territories from Alaska border on the coast down about 150 kilometers, um, the uh, the nine tribes, the people who have Aboriginal title over the ter- territory, were not even consulted. They weren't even. Um, uh, there was no visits to the community. There was nothing, and all of this sort of took place um, with a, a few people claiming that they uh, they represented the Indigenous communities, and it's a, a total um, fake idea, to use Donald Trump's terminology. Right. So, well, where, where, did the, where does this project go from here now? Well, we have several options. Um, there is going to be, there if uh, and when this moratorium act uh, becomes law, it will immediately be challenged by um, maybe, um, I don't know, 30 to 100 First Nations communities um, as being uh, inconsistent with their um, constitutionally pr- protected rights to consultation and accommodation. Um, it, even if, uh, and even if this weren't successful, which I think is very unlikely because the um, major case uh, that governs um, the Aboriginal rights of of, uh, Indigenous people in British Columbia was a Chilcotin case, and that case case clearly said that when the government intends to do any kind of resource uh, project within First Nations traditional territory where Aboriginal title exists, they have to consult they have to accommodate, uh, and they have to get consent. Uh, if they haven't even consulted, they, they haven't even begun the process. You know, what, what's happened so far is, the, is government officials came out and had uh, information meetings where they merely informed uh, uh, the Indigenous people of what they want to do. But even if that's not the case, I mean, if we're forced to uh, run... Um, the most important infrastructure in Western Canada to Alaska, we'll do it, but it's absurd to do that when um, we have the, uh, the uh, we will lose all of those economic and other opportunities. In, in addition to this, um, the First Nations uh, communities on the coast are going to challenge and withdraw their lands from this fake idea of the Great Bear Rainforest that was dreamed up by a bunch of uh, envir- uh, trust fund baby environmentalists uh, in the big cities who, who know nothing about uh, the t- traditional territories that those First Nations people have been looking after for centuries. Yeah. Well, we'll let people know they can read more about uh, Eagle Spirit Energy and this project uh, and the various First Nations communities uh, supporting this, ese-gathering.com. And really encourage people as well to read this piece at uh, financialpost.com today. Calvin, thank you so much for spending some time with us here today. Really appreciate your insight on this. Thank you very much.
All right, there you go. Calvin Helene, a businessman, author, activist. CalvinHelene.com is his own website, H-E-L-I-N. And he is chairman and president of the Eagle Spirit Pipeline Project, which is a First Nations-led project, which is running uh, head-on uh, into obstacles created by the so-called Green Movement, which profess to be, claim to be, allies of these First Nations communities. Well, not so much, as it turns out. Uh, 974-8255 is our number. Quick break here. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.